This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. On today's show, SI's Brian Strauss joins me to talk all things MLS with the start of the league season, from new stadiums in Orlando and soon-to-be D.C., to new teams in Atlanta and Minnesota, to his classic rant on why the MLS demand that we call its teams Sounders FC and Crew SC is just as ludicrous as the term Team USA. I don't know what the obsession with the club's very, very, very strange, unnatural vernacular, um, <laughs> which Bob, like, I hate the phrase Team USA. Every time I <laughs> see that, I cringe and want to switch careers because I because that's not English and we don't do it in any other sport or realm or anything like that. We don't say Team Chicago or Team Duke. Team Duke's playing Team Stanford. We don't do it. All that and my thoughts on soccer coming up. Take one. Here we go with my three thoughts on soccer. First up, on Saturday, Stuart Holden tweeted from U.S. Soccer's annual general meeting in Maui a new U.S. soccer policy, policy 604-1. All persons representing a federation national team shall stand respectfully during the playing of national anthems at any event in which the federation is represented. The new bylaw, voted on by U.S. Soccer's board of directors, is a direct response to Megan Rapino taking a knee during the national anthem last year to protest police treatment of black Americans. Let's get a few things clear here. One, this is not a First Amendment issue. It would only become one if the government put Rapino in jail for protesting, and that's not happening. But I do have a huge issue with this new policy. For starters, nonviolent protest is a cornerstone of democracy. And as my friend Mina Kimes of ESPN put it, ordering people to celebrate their country's liberties is a bit of a paradox. I like to think of the unforgettable image from the 1968 Olympics of the Black Power salute by Tommy Smith and John Carlos. They would have been in violation of U.S. soccer's anthem policy for not standing, quote, respectfully on the medal podium. Any policy that would have punished Smith and Carlos for their act of bravery is on the wrong side of history. Take two. Next up, there's a fascinating long-term storyline to follow during the next one and a half seasons of MLS that hasn't gotten much attention. Which coach will do the most to put himself in position to take over the U.S. men's national team after World Cup 2018? Chances are that coach will come from MLS, and the bake-off has already begun. In my mind, the top candidates include Jesse Marsh, Caleb Porter, Greg Berhalter, Oscar Pereja, Peter Vermees, and yes, even Tata Martino. There are others, too, like Tab Ramos, who won the CONCACAF Under-20 title with the U.S. last weekend, and even David Wagner at Huddersfield Town. But whoever can win this year's MLS Cup and or Supporters Shield will put himself in a good spot to start a new era for U.S. soccer with the national team. Take three. 
Lastly, the U.S. women's national team suffered a surprise 1-0 loss to England in the She Believes Cup after beating Olympic champion Germany 1-0. The tournament concludes on Tuesday, but what it reminds me most of is how much women's soccer needs to have more meaningful competitions in the two years that there isn't a World Cup or Olympics. My hope is that FIFA gets its act together and starts an annual Club Women's World Cup sooner rather than later. I'd watch that tournament in a heartbeat. And now, my interview with Brian Strauss. After a busy first week of the MLS season, our guest this week is my Sports Illustrated partner in crime, Brian Strauss. Thanks for joining me, Brian. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back. Um, apparently, uh, a couple people listened to the podcast last time we were together. Uh, so I appreciate the uh, the return engagement. And we don't have to talk about my scarf collection this time. Also, we can thank our mom or uh, my parents and, and your mom for listening to that podcast. Yeah. Um, or, or we totally could talk about my scarf collection. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about, though. There is. There is. We don't, have to, we don't have to fall back on the scarf collection this week. New season, new things in MLS. Uh, I want to start with where you were in D.C., because last week was a big deal from a stadium perspective. You were at the groundbreaking for the new D.C. United Stadium, Audi Field. You were also in D.C. on Saturday night at venerable RFK Stadium for their season opening. We're now say, it's funny. We're now going to say nice things about it. You know, <laughs> we've, been, we've been denigrating it and calling it a raccoon trap for years now. But now this season, we're, we're going to get all misty-eyed and romantic about, about a place full of wasps. Um. <laughs> but let me say this. I, I will always say that RFK Stadium is the closest thing to one of those wonderful, decrepit Latin American stadiums in, oh, yeah. the, in the United States, yeah. including crumbling concrete. Absolutely. Including yeah. the sort of faint urine smell, the, you know, the raccoons, all that stuff. Um, for you, as someone who is a longtime D.C. resident who has followed the soccer scene there, who has been wondering if this new stadium would ever actually happen. What was it like for you to be at the groundbreaking last week? I, first of all, I'd never been to a groundbreaking before, and, and, and they don't actually, first of all, they had already broken ground. There were like a bunch of big excavators like <laughs> a few feet away going to town. Um, but it, they, they dig, it's like a ceremonial trough. It, it, it's, you know, it's just a trough of dirt in front of the stage. So I, I thought... I'm an idiot. Like I thought they actually dug into the ground where they were going to start building, but but it's not. Um, there were some nice speeches. Uh, the mayor was there. You know, Ben Olson was great, of course. You know, Jason Levy and brought his machete. Um, Bill Hamid spoke, which was really cool because Bill Bill for a long time I feel like hasn't has been reluctant to sort of put himself out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he spoke about Bill and I grew up in in basically the same part of town, uh, Annandale, Virginia. Um, and uh, so he talked about growing up in Annandale and coming to RFK as a kid. Um, and it was it was cool that he he took that moment to to open up a little bit because he doesn't typically. Um, you know, it's awesome. Man. I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, this is the one soccer story where I'm not impartial. I'm not. You know, I'm I'm a Washingtonian and, and I've and I want there to be a soccer stadium for this city, a place that is the epicenter and the anchor and the home. Uh, for the sport in this area, a, a place where people can go and celebrate soccer and enjoy themselves and watch a game and a place where people can aspire to. And, and without that, the, you know, DC United and as a result, the sport at a professional level has been in question here 
for two decades. And this is my this is my town. And and I don't necessarily root for DC United to win a game. I'm impartial in terms of writing about the team, but I'm not impartial about wanting there to be a team here and wanting the sport to thrive here. This is my city. Um, and so uh, it was awesome. It was it was a, it's an emotional moment. Everybody was fired up. Um, and, uh, you know, now we're waiting for them to, you know, dig into some kind of industrial waste or, or you know, unexploded ordinance or, or you know, sacred burial ground. You know, it's, what's going to happen now? Uh, but uh, and they had scarves at the groundbreaking. So I have, oh, wow. I have, I have a DC United uh, Audi Field groundbreaking scarf. And you're a foodie. Jose Andres is going to do the food at Audi Field. No way. Yeah. So when you come down, you will not be eating green hot dogs. You will you will eat you will eat Jose Andres the first time you come and visit me and we go see a game at, at Audi Field. Fantastic. So it was fantastic. Awesome. Well, I'm obviously looking forward to the stadium being there, as are so many people in DC and around the league. Are you okay with sort of the 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 drawings of this stadium changing over time from this very sort of futuristic Jetson stadium at first to a much more functional design now. It's a, it, it was a little disappointing at first, um, but when you start to realize the 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 footprint that it's on, I mean, it's this is going to be you know when when you when you're in when you're in Europe when you're you know certain parts of England. I mean, I I remember going to Highbury a long time ago, and it's just like it's just another city block. You know, or Craven Cottage. You know, you're walking down the street, and 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 there it is, and it's 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 one brick building right across uh, a two lane road from a bunch of houses. Um, it's it there. These are these are crammed and nestled right into the cityscape, and that's what this is going to have to be. It's just the way building in a city is. So I don't know if those were ever realistic, and you know they looked great and they were fun to fun to fantasize about. Um, but it, it, I guess it was a little disappointing, but not surprising when you realize sort of where this thing is going to be. And obviously there's all kinds of zoning issues and noise and light and all those kinds of things that happen when you build in a big city. Um, and I think we're all just so happy that there's going to be a stadium that it could be, you know, if it's a pile of toothpicks and Legos and, 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 and <laughs> you know, we can go and watch a game. And uh, I think that's okay. I, 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 I'm not that worked up about it. I mean, as long as there's not like a, you know, big pole in front of me in the press box, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there, there's some basic things that have to be done. Right. Um, but as long as the seat, you know, the press box doesn't suck and, and, uh, you know, we're going to be having some tapas and, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like I said, slightly disappointing at first, but when you realize how long we've waited and the complications of, of building, um, you know, in a pretty congested in what is going to be a congested area, um, I get it and it's cool. And, um, I'm good. Before we move on to other new things like Orlando Stadium, like Minnesota's debut, like Atlanta's first game, I do want to ask about DC United. Now that this stadium is actually happening, I moved them up in my ambition rankings for MLS last week. You did, yeah. No, from 19 cool. to 18 because of this. Yeah. But there's a little more to going up in the ambition rankings. That includes spending a bit more money on signing players, things like that. Uh, training facility, all that stuff. Um, what do you think comes next now that the stadium's happening? Is is Eric Toe here going to sell this team? Is uh, are they going to start spending more money on on players and other amenities? Yeah, I think I think they will. Um, I don't know if they're going to be going after five or six million dollar players, but there's certainly something in between that 
and, and what they've been doing now. In a way, uh, Ben Olsen and Dave Casper have – they've done such a good job, job sort of like sewing together this Franken team that's been able to, to, to make the playoffs and, and contend um, that the, the, the desperation um, to, to, to go big – uh, hasn't been there as much because they are, you know, they are competitive. They are contending. They they have been a playoff team. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's it's tougher for them to go plead for money when they're doing almost just fine without it. But I think ownership realizes that things have got to change. I think they get that. I think they understand that's the next step. Um, Jason Levy and, I mean, Eric Tohir is not hanging around, but Jason Levy has said over and over that, you know, Eric is passionate about the team. He's constantly checking in. He's constantly following up. He, they, they want to continue to be involved. Uh, I, I asked Jason point blank a couple times. Are you, are, are you guys looking to, to move this team once the stadium's built? And he said no. Um, so I think they understand that some more is going to be required. A, a training facility is the next, yes, that's the next big step. It can't be near the stadium. It's going to have to be out in the suburbs, you know, northern Virginia, somewhere out there. Um, you know, similar to what Toronto does or something like that. And, and I think once they have, uh, once they have the stadium up and running, that's the next step. I asked Ben Olsen at the groundbreaking if, um, you know, if he can start, if they can start talking to and going after and, 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 um, you know, imagining conversations with bigger names, bigger players, because they now have something to lure them with. You know, this is where you'll be able to play. This is the kind of club you'll be able to play for. And Benny kind of bristled a little bit. He's like, I've never had a problem uh, trying to get a player to want to come play soccer in Washington, D.C., to, to come live in this city. To, you know, I, it's never been an issue. So, you know, maybe he was uh, caught up in the moment. Maybe there's something to that. But certainly, if they, if they can, a training center, a facility, a place where these guys can go and work every day and a place where they want to be, that's important to these guys. And, and I think that's the next step. That and parking for the stadium. We're still kind of figuring out where we're going to park our cars or if we're just going to sort of leave them idling in the neighborhood for a couple hours. We're not sure. Well, it remains to be seen whether this DC United Stadium will have terraces with cup holders, which is the grand invention of the new stadium in Orlando that we saw debut on Sunday for Orlando City. Beautiful stadium, purple seats, terraces with cup holders, roof over all four sides. That's huge. What do you, what's your sense of that new stadium? It sounded, looked great to me. Yeah, it looked great. And I, I think Phil Rollins, you know, I, I know he's now in kind of more of a ceremonial role with the club, but he, it would be fitting for him to go out with a Nobel Prize for the cup holders, <laughs> right? The cup holders, I, I, I forwarded a, a photo from cup holder point of view to a good friend of mine in England, and, and he was, blo- you know, blown away. I mean, just like, you know, it's like we had a hundred plus years to figure this out and we never did, you know, and, and there they are. No, it's, it's genius. It's fantastic. It's steep. Uh, that's my biggest complaint about a lot of the old stadiums. You know, the, the first generation of MLS stadiums is that, and I'm, you know, I'm a shorter guy. So it's like, I need, I need that help. Um, and, uh, and too many of them, the grade is so, is so gradual, uh, that, uh, you got kind of got to sit on your knees to, to, to see in front of the person, um, in front of you. And, uh, no, I love the grade. Um, you know, I love that sense of enclosure. Uh, it looked awesome. I also loved the signs for designated smoke zone uh, at the bottom of that, those terraces of that wall, which I, when I first saw those, I thought that was like where you could actually have a cigarette. But, 
you know. Uh, apparently not. Apparently you cannot smoke in the designated smoke zone, but you can set off pyro, uh, which I, I guess is good. Pyro generally is good. Um, funny story. So at halftime, I, I tweet at, right after halftime of this game yesterday, like who waterlogged the field at halftime? Because there were all these puddles suddenly on the field and you'd see this trail of water going up behind basic passes in the second half. And the actual groundskeeper for Orlando City re- replies to me on Twitter. And I think he was kind of defensive about the whole thing. But uh, What was his reasoning? Uh, he said it was something about water dew on the the tips of the grass but not the sign of bad irrigation so i'm no expert in this area but i think they would be better off not having puddles the other thing that i was thinking about was this field is below ground surface right and i can't think of a single house in the state of florida that has a basement just because you can't have a basement in florida so is that part of it I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously, they, you know, I know, I understand why they water fields, but uh, um, I guess you can water a field too much. The, the the stadium here is 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 there's no digging because there. I think there. I was joking before, obviously, about <laughs> digging into you know um, ordnance, uh, but uh, and graves. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's there. There, you know, everything's there's pipes and sewage and you know lines of various kinds and utilities, so they they can't dig under. So the whole thing's got to go up. Uh, from from ground level, I guess they obviously did dig in Orlando. You know, they'll get the hang of it. Um, kind of amazing that that Kaká, uh, you know, they're playing on they're playing on this beautiful grass field, and he goes up lame after ten minutes. I mean, that's uh, that's sadly ironic. Um, but I'm glad you're now on uh, you're now on a couple shit lists: Minnesota United and the Groundskeepers <laughs> Union. So good job. You know what, though, this whole thing with Minnesota, they hate you. The nicest people in the world hate me. They are. They are the nicest people, and you've turned them against us. All I did was answer <laughs> a mailbag question in, like, November or December, I think. It's always something innocuous. Asking, it always starts there. Asking how I felt about Minnesota and how they would do on the field this year. And all I did was report what I had been told by numerous people around the league, which was Minnesota is really behind. That as an organization, they just didn't have their stuff together in any way, shape, or form like Atlanta did. And that that would, in fact, show itself on the field once the season started. More than one person telling me, GMs around the league, saying Minnesota will be one of the worst teams in the history of MLS. Now, we are one game in, Brian, to a 34-game regular season. But I got to say, that 5-1 loss to Portland wasn't just a 5-1 loss. There were moments on the field when... Minnesota was really bad. Two of the goals were, were yeah, two and, and, you know, devil's advocate, you know, two of Portland's goals were, were after the game had been decided in the very last moment. So 5-1 is maybe not a, is not a, a score that's indicative of the entire 90 minutes. Um, yes, you did report what others had told you, and we both have been doing this long enough that that's, that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> we are the messengers and we are the targets and that is the way it goes so you there's a dartboard there's a picture of you uh in in the minnesota locker room that is going to be abused all year long and you're just gonna have to deal with it um you know they are behind but that that isn't that isn't a a 
a sign of any um, negligence on their part. I mean, it was just, you know, Minnesota, uh, Atlanta was awarded a team two and a half years ago. They've had all this time to get ready. And Minnesota didn't figure out, didn't finalize their their deal with MLS and finalize their stadium till last summer, right? So they 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 had no choice uh, but to ratchet up everything really, really, really fast. Um, you know, get their technical department together, hire a coach, start selling tickets, deal with their. I mean, they're they're wearing. Uh, you know, we did the uniform thing. They're they're wearing sort of off the rack uh, kind of uniforms. I still like them though. They, they didn't even – well, yeah, but I mean they didn't have time to do their – they came in so late that they didn't even have time to work out like their custom kit with Adidas. I mean everything was rushed. So you know, in their defense, the fact that they've got a stadium deal, uh, they've got you know 10,000-plus season tickets sold. I mean you know, that's, that's not bad considering how, how they rush things. And I guess you know, they have no DPs. That, you know, that's going to that's gonna impact the product. And, and if it's a deal where, look, we had to – we had to to go quickly, and so we're gonna we're gonna start, and we're gonna see what we need, and then go out uh, and 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 find the right guys to 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 fill the needs that present themselves. I guess that's one way of doing it, and there may be some growing pains uh, in the meantime. But to send them to send them to Portland uh, for their first game, that was kind of harsh. I mean, you, you, you know, Portland is a place that isn't easy to win, and 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 to. You know, they could have maybe debuted somewhere a bit more hospitable. Um, Fair point. But uh, but the end thing, the the most important thing is that they hate you. I think so. I will say something nice about Minnesota here because I think it is appropriate. I might have been a little uncharitable in my ambition rankings toward Minnesota. I had them at twenty one of twenty two teams, only ahead of New England. And if we're being honest here. Numbers 15 through 22, there's not a lot of difference between those teams. And I probably could have put Minnesota up around 15 or 16 because, as you point out, this is a $155 million stadium that they are privately funding. No public funding involved. It's going to happen, and that alone separates them from New England. Which I had at the bottom again yep. this year, and just... you could, and it's going to be grass. I mean, you could, I mean, yeah, that's something you talk about. I mean, it, you know, you can make a case. You know, there there are some teams higher up in the rankings that have no intention of playing on anything but the the fake stuff, and so I think that matters. Um, you know, I would have put I would have put them higher for uh, for the reason you just for the reason you just stated, and and I guess it remains to be seen what kind of uh, what their designated player policy is going to be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, look, I mean, I, I said in my, uh, um, I said somewhere, I can't even remember where I wrote it at this point, but that, you know, they, they were going to score some goals this year, but they were, they were issue. Oh, in our, in our preview round table, they're going to have issues at the back. I mean, I didn't know how they were going to stop anyone and, and it, it looks like they haven't figured that out yet. Um, you know, Keith likes to play a, a wide open game an attacking game. They're going to give up some goals this year. Uh, in the meantime, if you're a Minnesota fan, you hope they're fun to watch. You, you, you hope they win some games. And you hope that over the course of the season, uh, they figure out what they need uh, and, and they go out and they're aggressive and ambitious and they and they get those players. Now, the game I'm looking forward to most this next week here is going to be between the two expansion teams, Minnesota and Atlanta. I, I get the sense that the fans of Minnesota hate Atlanta with the heat of a thousand suns just because awesome. yes. of all the favorable comparisons that Atlanta has gotten to Minnesota. And the name theft. <laughs> ah, yes. 
<laughs> and I know Minnesota fans really want to win this game, but let's talk about Atlanta and their debut. 55,000 fans selling out Bobby Dodd Stadium, their temporary home before Mercedes-Benz Field opens this summer. Um, narrow field, but fun atmosphere uh, at this game. Just a, uh, for me, a very cool thing to see. And, and I'll talk a little bit maybe later on about, I hate seeing the the P word chant, the anti-gay chant anywhere. It was at this game. It's got to go. I will also say that this was a fun game to watch, uh, both in terms of how it looked, how it sounded, but also just on the field where Atlanta gets the the go-ahead goal uh, and then being an Atlanta team gives it away late. <laughs> right. <laughs> New yeah, York winning 2-1. Uh, poor, poor Arthur Blank can't hold the lead, man. It's brutal. <laughs> brutal. But... What was your take just watching this whole scene unfold in Atlanta? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, how can you not? I mean, I, I agree with with all of that. I mean, how can you not look at that and, and see a team, uh, you know, playing playing it's the first game in club history and the stands are full and, and there's a culture there already and there's a, you know, the kits look great and, and, and the fans are, 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 are dressed up and they, you know, the sound and the scarves and the atmosphere. And, and there were chunks of that first half where it was the Red Bulls that looked like the expansion team yeah that just looked confused and disoriented. And, and, you know, a, a few, a few new players in very key positions. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 the press wasn't working the way that, 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 that Jesse likes to, to, to have it run. They, they, they weren't, picking the right moments. Um, they weren't doing much with the ball when it turned over. Uh, they just looked out of sorts. And, man, Miguel Almiron, man, what a what a burst on that guy. Yeah. Holy crap. I mean, that they, he has a fifth year that is just awesome. And and he is he is going to torture some people this year. Um, but but in the end, it, it was, it was it, you know, the Red Bulls have been through a lot this offseason. And, again, you don't root for teams, but it was neat. It was neat to see them sort of gather themselves. Grella comes on. Um, you know, they, 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 they start to move the ball, start to get a bit more confident um, and, and to see them pull that back uh, and sort of relieve some of the pressure from the offseason, certainly uh, from the loss to Vancouver. Uh, that, that's a, that was a big, a big setback. And I, I should have mentioned that. Um, so a lot of narrative and drama and, and, and some good stuff at the end. That was one of those games that felt like a seven game series kind of all wrapped up in, in 90 minutes. And, and um, you know, I'm sure it was heartbreaking for, for those 55,000. Uh, I'm sure they expected to win that game. I mean, we've been we've been telling them how great their team is now for for more than a year. So I'm sure they expected three points out of that. Um, and now maybe the the reality of being an expansion team is setting in a bit, and they know they're in for a slog, and they're going to win their fair share of games, no doubt. Um, but they they know it's going to be tough. And so yeah, next week next weekend's going to be awesome in Minnesota. While we're on, you mentioned the topic of kits. Was the word you used a little while ago here? It's all about synonyms, man. Like when you're writing, no, but seriously, when you're <laughs> writing something, you don't like word rep it. It's ugly. You know, you want to try to find different ways to say. I don't think there's a proper way. It's just sometimes you need a different way. Well, let's That's have it. Let's have a discussion about let's this have, because let's, ta- let's talk it out. Because a few, a couple things happened last week that for you and me were. I don't know if I would say inflaming, but very <laughs> interesting, and maybe that's because we like language. We, you know, we work in words for a living. I do worry. I do worry that this is the kind of thing that people like us like like obsess over and and have fun talking about. And like this is where the this is the journalist public disconnect. 
where everyone thinks we're total dorks uh, and 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 they have no interest at all. We are this. we are total dorks, but but I have an interest in this, and so do you. And and you're gonna have, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're gonna have to suck it up. I'm sorry, but damn it, Strauss, I have this idea this. that this is this comes down. This is important. This comes down to how you talk about the, the words culture, you the use the yep, to describe the teams in this sport. So this could be any of us talking at a bar about a team right. in MLS. And it's about our in, it's about our, our influences and about what we think is authentic and proper. And, yes. And it's it's about exceptionalism versus globalism. It's it's all these things. It it, it it does right. It does bleed into all of that stuff. So let's explain here in the past week. Dorks, yes. Um, the MLS style guide comes out <laughs> from the league an edict from on high asking the media or telling the media actually demanding that the media and by extension, I guess the public talk about team names in a certain way that in their view is incorrect or correct. And some of the things that were incorrect on this style guide made my head explode. Um, Apparently, it is incorrect now to say Columbus Crew, that you have to say Columbus Crew SC or Crew SC. Same thing for Seattle Sounders. It has to be Seattle Sounders FC. Now, Seattle Sounders is incorrect, according to the league. And Vancouver Whitecaps, the same thing. You can't call them Vancouver Whitecaps. You have to call them Vancouver Whitecaps FC. Uh, my favorite one might actually be the San Jose Earthquakes say it is incorrect to call them earthquakes, that you have to say quakes. So, Brian, what's happening here? Uh, is the league insulting our intelligence? The league is, and I don't know what the obsession with the with the clubs is about sort of, um, you know, this very, very, very strange um, unnatural vernacular, um, which Bob, like, I hate the phrase team USA. Every time I see that I, I cringe and want to switch careers because I don't, cause that's not English and we don't do it in any other, uh, sport or realm or anything like that. We don't say team Chicago or team Duke team Dukes playing team Stanford. We don't do it. Um, and, and team USA never plays team Germany. It's always team USA against Germany. This drives me insane. So th- this is sort of a lot. This is this is on that same kind of family tree of nonsense um, where we don't say um, uh, Chelsea FC, right? We don't say United Manchester United FC. Nobody writes that. Nobody says it. It doesn't happen anywhere. So I'm not saying Sounders FC. I'm not saying Crew SC, and 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 it just sounds weird. It, it's not it's not normal English. Um, what I find funny and, and, and a bit sad is when the, the PR guys, uh, the communications guys for these teams are put in the position of having to say it to you because you know they think it's ridiculous. You know they don't want to have to do it, but they have to because it's their job. And I think it's important when, when that exchange happens to acknowledge that I understand they have no choice. And to acknowledge that I understand that they understand that it's ridiculous. And so we sort of have the perfunctory official <laughs> exchange so they can tell their boss that they said it, where they're like, look, I have to say this, but could you please refer us to Crew SC? Refer, uh, refer us to us as Crew SC. And I say, I acknowledge your question. I, I have heard it. You have checked the box. 
There is literally no chance in hell I am ever writing Crew SC, but you've done your job. Yeah. That's, that's, that part's important. No, it's, it's, it's absurd. I can't say earthquakes? <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> Dumbest thing ever. I guess I think part what's of what's going to happen is we're all just going to start trolling them by calling them exactly the opposite thing of what they want to be called. I mean, that's what the, that's what this is going to result in. I have a lot of thoughts about all this. Um, Go. One is that I am a big tent guy when it comes to terminology. So, you know, if you want to call the sport soccer or football or calcio or whatever, they're all accurate. I'm cool with that. I personally do not use the term pitch to describe field because I think it sounds affected if you're an American, but if you want to do it, okay. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to say something is incorrect unless from a style guide perspective, like goaltender is not a, is just not a term you see in, in soccer. You see it in hockey and hockey people who don't know soccer say goaltender. I don't want sports illustrated saying goaltender in a story about hockey. But when it comes to other stuff, like any words, like if you use kit like you did earlier, you know what? I understand why you use that. So I'm not going to say that's incorrect because it's not incorrect. Um, the other thing being on this like Sounders FC demand is you just don't sound cool when you say that. You sound a bit like a weirdo. And... So I'm not going to say Sounders FC. And I'll also admit something. I admitted this on Twitter. On first reference, I still can't bring myself to say Real Salt Lake or Sporting Kansas City. So I just call them Salt Lake and Kansas City. Wow. Okay. I still, I still, I'm still proper on first reference. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say Sporting Kansas City and Real Salt Lake. But that is the only time in anything I write the word Real will appear is on first reference <laughs> in the rest of the story even if it's 3,000 words it's RSL or, or Salt Lake um, Sporting can yeah I mean but that's the thing is I, I do I do say SKC I do say uh, yeah I mean I, I have my way of doing it and I guess just my way is is what sounds right to my ear is is different than what's on the hilarious style guide um, in terms of pitch and kit and things like this um, this is an important point and, and I want to make it. Um, so, so bear with me, please. Go for it. Um, so I, I was reading a Q and a with Arthur blank in the Atlanta journal constitution. And I guess he gave this interview ahead of the opener. Um, and at one point during one of his answers, he said something like, you know, and on the field and then comma, or I guess I should say pitch, you know, or something along those lines. This, this, make this sets me on fire and here's why <laughs> it's like when it's like when you're watching sports center and they're giving scores of other games and they say you know the caps beat the penguins 13 to 0 which would be awesome um and uh you know or blank to nothing and then when they start doing soccer they say nil <laughs> now this is the thing people nil is a britishism for zero in any context, pitch is a Britishism for field. In any context, they are not soccer terms. They are not official parts of the soccer lexicon. They are words that we associate with the sport because the sport originated in Britain and these are the terms they use. Guess what? Rugby players also play on a pitch. 
They also wear a kit. These are not soccer terms. So please understand that if you're speaking about the game and you want to use these as synonyms, synonyms as I did with kit before, that's fine. But please don't use them because you think they are specifically soccer terms. And one last thing. I am now – this is the most odious thing of all, and then I'll stop. And I'm sorry, and I know everybody has stopped listening at this point. But I'm heavily caffeinated, and, and, and this is important stuff. Stop spelling out the word nil. Stop it. I've actually seen people write scores as like numeral, the numeral two, dash N-I-L. There is, there is an, what is it, integer? There, there is a zero. There is a numerical symbol for this concept. And you can use that symbol when describing the score of a soccer game. I'm not done yet on this topic, though. Please go because I'm I'm I need to I need to cool down a little bit. So I'm handing the rant baton to you, and I'm going to take a couple deep breaths and and listen. Go so go. this is another thing you're talking about, Arthur Blank, who deserves a ton of credit for being so freaking ambitious about Absolutely. spending. Arthur Blank tops the ambition rankings. Uh, he's number two, number, number two, two. Uh, behind well, right, Toronto. Toronto. Sorry, yeah. but I mean Arthur Blank deserves so well, much. But credit. Toronto, but Toronto has is has an institutional owner. So among individual MLS owners, he is by default number one because Maple Leaf Sports is is a is a is a corporate entity. Okay. All right. But Atlanta put out to the media down there a a tip sheet on terminology for soccer last week. And I understand there's some new people in the media covering soccer down there who aren't used to covering the sport full time. But on this Atlanta United tip sheet, they said incorrect were the terms tie instead of draw, goalie, and overtime. Those are not incorrect terms, Brian Strauss. In fact, those are just fine, solid terminology to use. And I guess then I'm starting to see a trend here of people, like whether it's the MLS league office, whether it's Atlanta United, really sort of enjoying using the word incorrect to describe perfectly correct terms. Well, and this goes this but this goes back to the issue of of tie is a Britishism. It is not a soccer term. Um, and 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 of course it has a different meaning over there. Uh, tie means a, a matchup, right? You know, they're, yeah. they're ahead in the tie. So it does have a different meaning over there. So I understand why why that may be a bit confusing, but we're in this country where tie means each team had the same score and it's fine. Please continue to use it. What's wrong with goalie? I don't know. And overtime is overtime. Like, like it's, it's, though it's OT. I mean, it's extra time also works. They, they, they both work. They're both fine. What, what else was on there? There were, there are, were there some other, I mean, there were some other ones that, you know the goaltender they said was incorrect and okay you know yeah because that that i that is weird but it but it's weird arbitrarily because we know what it means if right. someone were to say goaltender we know exactly what they're talking about but yeah that's kind of the hockey the hockey term i agree i wouldn't use it but i i wouldn't freak out if someone else did i think it's this whole idea that there's a right and wrong and so i i run into this so often as you do on twitter where some yo-yo is like it's not soccer, you Americans. And, 
you just at a certain point just shrug and move forward i don't even engage is there anyone is there any british or english citizen who who understands that they came up with the term soccer and they use the term soccer like world soccer magazine right is, is i mean based, they, based in london am like, like like do any of them know if there is there an english person listening to this who knows that the term like rugger Soccer, like like association football, like you guys came up with the term, you exported it here. Don't get mad at us for for being into your into your export. It's their term. But football's fine, also. The sport's called association football. Same yeah. football is also good. I'm good with all of it, man. Yep. It's a big tent here, so um, I'm glad we had that discussion. It makes me want to put together a style guide. Just for Sports Illustrated, which would include things like you really shouldn't have goaltender, but and I'm not going to use pitch myself, but you know other people can. I'm not going to say that's incorrect. Everything but Team USA is fine. <laughs> I was on. I okay. So there was some point. There was some point. Um, this is the one of the most dumbest. This is one of the most embarrassing things I've ever done professionally. So there was some point like in the past year, year and a half where I was on the Doug Gottlieb show. Yeah. And I don't get a lot of I don't get a lot of calls to be on. Like I was on the Dan Patrick show one time during the World Cup and I actually thought that went okay. I thought I was kind of funny, but they didn't they didn't call me back. So I guess I wasn't. Um, But I know why I'm never going to be on the Doug Gottlieb show again. So I don't know. I was (laughs) I was in a bad mood. I don't know what the deal was, but. But they called me, and I don't know what the topic was. I don't know what was going on in world soccer and why they got so far down the list that they wind up calling me. But I'm on the show, and Doug is talking about the national team, and he says Team USA. And instead of just rolling with it, I'm like, hey, Doug, man, we don't say Team USA in soccer. We don't use that term. And you can imagine him looking at his producers at that very moment. Who is this asshole? Like... Like, I, I am the biggest asshole in the history of the Doug Gottlieb show. And I realized immediately that I had, like, set everything on fire and I was never going to be on again. And his credit didn't hang up on me and we finished the interview. Um, but I, I'm, they hate me now. I'm, I'm, there's no question I'm never going back on that show because I ridiculed him for saying Team USA. That's awesome. I love that story. Yeah, it's, it's a really terrible story. I'm really a bad person and a bad it, it makes me actually want to call Doug Gottlieb and find out if you are, in fact, banned from his show for <laughs> instructing him it's not Team USA. Uh, well, great discussion. As always, Brian, uh, you can tell you and I are both excited about MLS, even if they demand that we say ridiculous terms about the teams. Um, looking forward to the rest of the season. And we'll have you on from time to time because I think it's good to, to wrap a little bit about whatever's happening in the current state of U.S. Hey, no, don't say, don't promise that before. See if anyone listens to this thing first. Don't you? You've put too much time and effort into this podcast. You're having people on like like I feel like I'm following Kyle Martino. Like not only do I not have his touch, but like he's like the he's the coolest dude. You know, it's hard to follow that. You're actually following Mark Andre Tristegen and Ivan Rakitic and Kyle Martino. Well, I mean the goalie doesn't bother me, but yeah, the other two. That's. Uh, yeah, no, that's it, this is that's a uh, this is a low point for you. So before you promise me you're going to have me back on, see what uh, see what kind of fallout and flack there is uh, from this episode. You at least gave us an explicit 
uh, tag that we're going to have to put on this podcast on iTunes. So I appreciate I, that. I, I curse a lot. My my sister, my sister and I curse a ton because my parents had to pick their battles. Um, and they just were not going to die on that hill because there were so many other issues. And she sent me an article the other day that was that was like a study that smarter people curse more. So we're we're falling back on that because we have nothing else. Brian, this is starting to feel like the end of the Lord of the Rings movies, where there's like five different endings. So <laughs> I'm I'm going to call it a day here. But thank you, Brian Strauss, for joining the Planet Football Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss, as well as everyone at Digital Media and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, there are other great new and archived episodes you can check out, including my recent interviews with Marc-Andre Tristegen, Ivan Rakitic, Kyle Martino, and Sunil Gulati. Do me a favor. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. Subscribe and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us when you take the time to do that. See you next time. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.